Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Ryan Chambers from StarCast Circle Marks, and I'm here with Joey from the Kraken Pod and also my brother Chris from StarCast Circle Marks. Uh, gentlemen, we're kind of throwing this uh, together at the very last second, but, I mean, we didn't really have a, cho- a choice because the Kraken, I mean, I'll be honest, Joey, I did not pick the Kraken to to win the series against the Avalanche, but they do. So that's really cool that we get a, a chance to uh, to do this little joint little interview session with, with you just to get some insight on the Kraken and uh, for you to get a little bit of insight from us on the uh, Dallas Stars. But And I mentioned this, we just recorded an episode for our own podcast uh, earlier, a second ago, and I mentioned this. It is so nice to be able to talk to a fan base that we actually like like to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I'm just being totally honest here. There's like, the, the Minnesota Wild fan base, I mean, it was super toxic on Twitter all the time. This The constant back and forth between us, even even our, our on our uh, podcast uh, Twitter, which I'm typically pretty tame on, I was even going at it. I was just like, what am I doing here? It's like, so anyways, this is a lot of fun. I, I, I think it's going to be fun between the two fan bases. Listen, you say this now, but it's before game one. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, something could happen. Like, you know, some guy could get boarded and then we start, you know, agreeing and dis- or disagreeing on, on the call on the ice or someone gets hurt and then we're going at each other's throats. No, man, it's uh, right. um, it's all good. We uh, we had a very we had a really good experience with the with like the Avs fan base for the most part. I mean, you're always going to get a couple people here or there. Um, that's always with people. every fan base oh my god yeah and yeah. um you know obviously as fans were super confident going into the series as they should have been um but it was funny because as the series turned into an actual series and at the end when uh seattle took it there was one troll specifically and just sticks out to me because um he was just chirping the entire time and at the end of the series, when it's like, oh, we won, what do you have to say? I think his comeback was like, win a cup and then we'll talk. It's like, all right, man, now you're just moving the goalposts. <laughs> like, come on. Like, that's not fair at all. But no, I think it'll it'll be good. And also, um, Dallas is just a team that I also like legitimately enjoy watching. Like, if the Kraken had lost, um, I honestly don't know who who I would have like chosen to root for. But Dallas, I've always just liked, especially Otter. Um, it's just incredible. Like when you have a goalie that's standing on his head as much as he has like throughout the regular season. And then also uh, the playoffs, it's really hard not to root for a guy like that. So yeah, Dallas is a lot of fun to watch and a pretty scary team for us. Yeah. And going straight into goalies. I mean, my big thing, the last two games that the Kraken played, I I feel like the number one player was Grubauer. I mean, he was fantastic. Yeah. And especially the difference between his playoff form and what he did in the regular season, <laughs> he was a liability in the regular season and the playoffs. He was the guy. 
Yeah, no, it was, um, God, I actually have a note here. I'm trying to find it really quick. I didn't realize we we're going to be hopping in, uh, in me like that. No. So I, well, here's my note. So yeah. So <laughs> regular, putting you on the spot, Joey. We're no, doing it's all right, good, right man. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> uh, Drew Bauer, regular season, 2.85, uh, goals against average and an 8.95 save percentage. And so far in this postseason, uh, 2.44, uh, goals against average and a 9.26 save percentage. So, um, he has like markedly improved, um, he got a lot of crap for last year, which as someone who literally watched every single game, there were a lot of times where I'm like, I think he could have made a save here or there, but like the team was so bad last year and the defense was so bad as well. It's almost like a throwaway season. And for some reason, he's like this weird polarizing figure, um, with like this Seattle Kraken fan base. I don't know, like if you guys pay any attention to that stuff, but like, it's either like they love him or they absolutely hate him. But it's really funny because during, you know, during the regular season, there was a lot of hate. Martin Jones got really hot in December, like out of nowhere. And the Kraken just went on tear and um, Ruby came back and wasn't playing as good. And everyone's hating on him. But yeah, he's, he somehow found a way to turn it around. I mean, the Kraken rode him every single game uh, in the series against the abs and against his former team. I was like, this is, can either go either way. The abs know exactly how to score on him and they're going to exploit it. Um, or which for me, I was like high glove side, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's one of those things right. where I don't know, man, he's, he's really turned it on, but uh, you know, I'm again, it's, it's all about, uh, goaltending for me. And in this series, when I look at Otter, who I've already mentioned and who have a ton of like admiration and respect for, he's just so lovable. Um, he just, I don't know, like, is this how like Dallas stars fans feel about him all the time as well? Like, is he just that dude just across the league or what? I mean, that really what that is what it is. I mean, you think about him and the guy I compare it to is the Chiefs quarterback. I mean, he, he's the guy that's always showing up in the big time moments and he's got the swagger. That's exactly what Jake Ottinger is. And on top of that, when you, you go to the post game uh, interviews and stuff like that, he's just always deflecting, deflecting. Oh, it was everybody else. They were so great. So he's got uh-huh. this great combination of in game, just most swag you could ever have. And then yes. after the game, it's just turn it all away. Perfect hockey answers for every question. It's just a really good combination. He just seems, I mean, if you, if you want a franchise goalie, you found one he's right a, there. Yeah. He, he's got that. He's got that humility in him, but he's also got that, uh, that stubbornness at the same time, if that makes any sense. No, right? it makes sense. It sounds like his personality is like the opposite of Jordan Bennington. So I already love him. So yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. Don't even get us started about Jordan Bennington. With him being in the same division, we are so happy that that he had that he had a bad season. Not necessarily St. Louis Blues, but we don't like the St. Louis Blues. But really, we're happy that he had a bad season. Yeah, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent on him, but I definitely have a running thing where I am always. Um, uh, saying some very choice words about Bennington. I just think he's trash. And uh, not only is he trash, but every single highlight, quote unquote, of his throughout the entire regular season wasn't even him making a play. It was just him um, like cheap shotting somebody or like yelling at a ref or doing something stupid. So, anyway, that's my whole uh, Jordan Bennington thing. But yeah, so um, Otter, again, is just out completely outstanding. Like, I have to give the guy a ton of credit. I almost wish that he would talk a little bit of smack. Like, in the post game report, because as a Kraken fan, like going into this game, like if he has a game where he like shuts us out, and I know he did that one time against Minnesota, but if he does that and I watch the post game, he's just like, oh, you know, my teammates, I'm like, man, screw this guy. Like, screw this. Like, he's beating the crap out of us. He had 30 saves tonight, and here he is, like giving credit to the team. So that's actually like, even more infuriating than just like outright talking on the other team. Um, 
But I was looking at some stats, like his last three playoff appearances, and y'all already know this. I'm just like speaking to what you know, but um, exactly one for goals against average and a 965 save percentage. That is absolutely out of control. I mean, is there anybody? I know Gru, I know Grubauer right now, um, for all the goalies in the playoffs, he's top four and he's number four, which is fine because didn't know what to expect going into the playoffs. But Ottinger has to be what one or two at this point. I mean, this is insane. He he's got to be the best pl- goaltender in the playoffs right now, in my own opinion. I, I mean, that, that's that's remaining. I mean, even with like we saw Vasilevsky had some issues mm. for Tampa. But the the thing about him and he and both me and I think my other brother, well, actually, actually, you might have been the one that pointed this out, Chris. The difference in the series, I mean, we were down two to one to the Minnesota Wild, you know, going into game four. And we did not play well in game four, but Ottinger did. And then the Stars were able to kind of limp along with their terrible play. And then they figured it out like beginning of game five and then they won the next three, they won four or five and six. And we keep looking, there was one particular save in game four, 12 seconds remaining. It, it just absolutely ridiculous. He should have never been able to make that save. And it was a series changer in my opinion. And those are the sort of things that when you look at like a championship team, and especially when you look at Jake Ottinger, he's been through so much, uh, other high stress, you know, events in his life. He was as a freshman in high school. He he started in the Minnesota hockey tournament, which I'm from Texas and I know about the Minnesota high school hockey tournament. That is a huge deal. Um, he was he was big when he was at I think it was Boston College or Boston University. I forget which one, but he he started in the final four games and he was instrumental in those games as well. So when you look at his career. He, he's been in these high stress situations. He's been in the biggest situations on the biggest stages that he could possibly be in. And he showed that again in that Minnesota wild series. So I'm curious to see how that uh, is going to translate between him and Grubauer in the series coming up. It's going to be really fun. And what that really shows from stars fans and stars coaches is that no matter what happens to Andre, he could get totally shellacked in the first two games. Doesn't matter. He's going to start every single game this series. Doesn't matter what happens. Yeah. So he's got the, uh, like the quarterback mindset, right. Where he's like next play. Like you just got to erase that from your memory and kind of go out there, which is exactly what you want. I couldn't honestly put a finger on Grubauer's personality. He's kind of like a goofy German dude. Um, (laughs) who posts like awesome vacation photos and uh, <laughs> he's made the Kraken fan base, like fall in love with him all over again, which is great. All right. So you mentioned, um, I think uh, game four and you, you were talking about how the stars didn't necessarily play a really good hockey game. Is there any one or two things in particular about your team? Like if you had to like look at your team and try to be objective as you can and like try to poke holes in them, is there one thing or a number of things that you're concerned about or something that you are like, I need to pay attention to this. And what would that be? The most obvious thing on paper is going to be the depth on the blue line side. Um, we're, we're putting in right now uh, Thomas Harley, who didn't play Harley at all for the Stars. He played the last six games of the regular season, I believe. Um, and he, he was really brought up very well in the AHL. He was there for a reason. He was learning a lot. The franchise is very high on him. But still, he, he doesn't have a ton of that uh, regular NHL experience. And then you have uh, Hanley, who was really the seventh defenseman all year long. Um, and kind of was put in because Colin Miller had a really bad game three, especially uh, it was that Johansson play. It was spectacular. Oh, it was geez. a highlight reel. 
but it, it was because of bad play by Miller. So the bottom pair is definitely where I think most stars fans would point to saying that's the biggest weakness of the team. For, for me, one of the a concern, if I'm specifically looking at the playoffs and we, we literally just talked about this too, is the art is not necessarily our ability to score, but our power play has been very streaky at times during the regular season. And in the first round, it was ridiculous. I mean, it should have been first in the playoffs if, you know, there were players not named Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl existing in the NHL. But the the thing that they struggled with a little bit was their five-on-five five play, their five-on-five five scoring. And if the star streakiness, if it continues into the second round with the power play especially, and they're not able to get their five-on-five five scoring going, that could be an issue for me that, that I've seen. And, and we saw that mostly in, it was February, right, Chris, when the, the power play was just absolutely atrocious, could not get anything to save our lives. And then five-on-five, five, it was not helping us either. So if, if we see something like that in this round against the Kraken, that's something that the Kraken could kind of poke a hole in and uh, take advantage of. That's really interesting you mentioned that because I did not expect that answer at all. Um, as somebody who hasn't admittedly watched a ton of uh, Stars games throughout the season, but kind of just keeping an eye on things loosely, it's hard, man. Like you cover one specific team, you get kind of wrapped up in in their uh, in their season. But um, oh, 100%. everything everything I'm reading going into this series is all about like the power play and the special teams of the Stars and the special teams of the Kraken. Because if I had to pick one specific area where I'm like, let me circle this with the red pen. Like this is where I really start to get nervous. It's special teams. And I didn't know about uh, the stars being streaky because I'm looking at stats that I pulled up and it's like the power play for uh, percentage for the stars, you know, was at right at 25% throughout the entire regular season and got even hotter um, in the playoffs. Well, at least in the mm-hmm. first round and that and they were fifth in the NHL, the crack were 21st. Um, we're at, we we're just beneath 20%. And in this, in this last series against Colorado, I think we were like high 16%. I mean, it was bad. Um, it was, yeah, it was just not good. And then also talking about the PK, um, y'all were third in the NHL throughout the entire season, like 83% and change. And we're also 21st in that category as well, like our power play and our PK. And it is one of those things where um, at the end of January, things really turned around as far as our penalty kill is concerned. I know they were working on it a lot in practice. It kind of seems like they were figuring things out. Dave Haxtell, the head coach, was like moving some players around and doing some different things. Matty Beneers got a lot more involved in the PK, and he's really developing as like a real two-way player uh, as a kid who can like actually do it all, which is great. Um, but those are my big concerns for the Kraken is, is just the special teams because when it comes there, like when I'm looking at all the other stats, it's kind of nuts how – like the Kraken and the stars are evenly matched in a lot of areas. But then I look at special teams, like it's literally like the opposite, like opposite ends of the spectrum with each other. And that's where I'm like, this is where we can get exploited. So, because, you know, if I had to look at like goalie play, um, is it ideal to have, you know, Grubauer, you know, versus Otter? Maybe not necessarily, but if he plays like he did it in the Colorado series, like he's going to give the Kraken a shot. But, and we've seen him do that. Like he's demonstrated that he can do that against a team that, you know, everyone thought was, you know, going to wipe the freaking crack off the face of the earth. So it was one of those things where it was just like, I don't know. Like I've seen, I've seen Grubauer be able to to do his thing. And like the proof is already kind of there. So hopefully he can carry for us like that momentum forward. But the, the special teams that were just not there for the crack. And that's where I'm concerned. 
Well, let me let me ask you this because th- this is something we actually talked about and just a second ago as well as do you think that he just had a little bit of extra motivation since it was Colorado and because we were wondering I don't know he's obviously not going to have that same motivation playing against the stars like he would against Colorado and I know a lot of people say oh well it's not really that big a deal the professionals and stuff like that but you I mean you have to admit like Ottinger had a clear motivation when he was playing against Minnesota that's the team that he grew up watching he had his entire family there basically when he was at XL Energy Center so do you think that affects Grubauer and his stats won't be as good when he plays against the Stars? Because that's something that I'm actually really interested in your opinion on. I think, um, so he hasn't really talked about this, but it's hockey and there's a lot of things that just aren't talked about, like injuries. (laughs) So uh, I don't know. I do think it's something that, I mean, if this is complete speculation here, I'm not like texting him right now. I'd be like, yo, man. Um, Insider info. Yeah, real insider info. Um, you know, I do think it's something that you think about, right? Like, I mean, they did, you know, ask him about playing his former team and like what it means to him and stuff like that. So obviously that's in the back of your mind. I mean, you know, he won a cup with them. So it's one of those things where like, that's definitely something that he was thinking about, but I don't know if that translates to extra motivation. I think, I don't know, like, it was it was really weird because uh you know throughout throughout the regular season like call we played we the Seattle Kraken played Colorado three times they were 2-0 and 1 their one losses in overtime every game was decided by one goal for whatever reason and so we had a so we had an interview with Piper Shaw who does a lot of uh broadcasting for the Seattle Kraken and she also grew up in Minnesota so that's actually how I do know about like Minnesota high school hockey and all that stuff too mm-hmm. um and we were kind of, this is like before the series even started. And we were like, who would you like to face in the playoffs? And she was like, I would like to face Colorado. And me and my co-host Jeff said the same thing. We're like, yeah, if we have to, you know, pick one out of like these three teams to play, who would it be? And we were like the abs because we've played them well all season. I don't know if it's a schematic thing or what the Kraken are really good on the road for some reason. And Piper was saying that uh, ball arena is the loudest arena that she's been to all year with the exception of Seattle, which, you know, I don't know if, if she's like being a homer there or what, but she tends to be pretty objective when it comes to that stuff. And she was, we were just talking about how the matchup was really good. So I don't know if it was an extra motivation for him, a, a motivation thing for him or what, but it just, I don't know. Things kind of all started clicking right at the right time. And honestly, like, the crack can give up a lot of like high danger chances, which, which makes me really uncomfortable against a team like Dallas that has a lot of people that can score at will. Um, and, you know, Colorado had a lot of those opportunities as well. And for whatever reason, Grubauer is able to stop them. But um, our defense, I feel like, has also been really sneaky good. Like we have a lot of guys that can step up and make plays. And that's made Grubauer's job a lot easier. I mean, there was periods throughout the last series where like uh, there, there's like an entire period of actual play where like he was just kind of chilling in the back of the net and the Kraken were just like consistently on the attack, consistently like being consistent with the four check, putting a ton of pressure on and it makes his job a lot easier. So when he has to step up and make a play, he can do that. Now, whether or not we can do that against Dallas is like a whole nother question. And uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned the, the defense because uh, Dallas fans, we love Jamie Alexiak. We, to this to this this day to this day i still wish we could have held on to him but (laughs) you guys got a a fantastic player he's got some intangibles that i still wish we had on on this team but i mean the reason why we have ryan Suter is because 
uh, Jamie Alexiak left left the team and went to Seattle and and joined mm-hmm. Seattle. But uh, for the for the stars on defense, uh, you, you talked about a polarizing figure with uh, with Grooby. Uh, yeah. For us, it's Ryan Suter. <laughs> but the the thing is, is there with, with this series, I think a lot of Stars fans felt bad for him because he was getting so much crap from the Minnesota fan base. So th- so we kind of took a step back a little bit from the rest of the season where, I mean, we were on him constantly. Just, no, he, Suter did this, Suter did that, Suter, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of disappeared in the first round series. But it was partly because we felt bad for him, but he played excellent in in the first round series against the minnesota wild he he was one of our best defensemen and uh we couldn't say that for a majority of the regular season because he's just a step slower and he's getting older and you know sometimes he's a bit of a defensive defensive deficiency sorry that's hard to say but um what, what i wanted to ask you about was uh the season that vince dunn had because yes I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on him a little bit because I mean, last year, like you said, it was, it was very much, you know, they they had a really bad season. I thought they were going to be a lot better than they were last year. I thought they were at least going to be like, you know, looking for a playoff spot, but then Vince Dunn, a uh, former St. Louis blue. That's, that's kind of how we're familiar with him. He kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, he's had like what? 78 points this season. But uh, what's something that maybe we should be looking out for with Vince Dunn's play? Because I think he's going to have more of an effect on this series than I think a lot of Stars fans realize. Man, if Jeff were here right now, he would be eating this up. He has like this weird intuition. (laughs) And I don't know if it's because like he's been watching hockey his whole life. Like he grew up in Detroit and like has been watching it since he was a freaking toddler. But he just he latched onto him because so we launched our podcast with the launch of like this yellow crack in the organization. And for whatever reason, it's not like he had a really good year last year, but Jeff latched on to Vince Dunn. He's like, this is my guy. This is my favorite player. I love this kid. And I remember like looking up highlights and stuff from him and I'm like, Oh, he's kind of gritty. Like he's not afraid to fight people. Like there was like a highlight I saw of him like fighting somebody in a tunnel. (laughs) What's like, what's this guy doing? Um, his breakout season has been crazy. And the weird part is like about like how that whole kind of transformation happened. It's like, he just kind of put in the work. I mean, he was always like during the off season, he was just consistently working out and just kind of took things very seriously. He's going to get paid. Um, and yeah, he was second among uh, all the, all the uh, players for the Seattle crack in terms of points this year. Didn't really do a ton in the avalanche series, which is why I'm kind of waiting to see what happens against the stars. I think he had one goal finally in game six when, I mean, we scored the first goal because we scored first in, in all seven games, which is also kind of insane. Um, but he had a goal that game, but aside from that, he's been kind of quiet, but that's, that's honestly what I have really enjoyed about this team so much. It's that there are so many guys that I gravitate towards and I really like their style of play, but for whatever reason, they either like have showed up or have not showed up so far. And I'm curious to see how that goes against the stars. Like Bjorkstrand, for example, Oliver Bjorkstrand, you know, comes over from Columbus uh, after they signed Johnny hockey, they have to shed some cap space. Ron Francis brings him in. It's a great deal. I'm like, Oh, I fall in love with this guy immediately. Like he's, you know, he's, he's a class act. He's got like the otter thing where like after, you know, every interview, he's like thanking his teammates and stuff like that. And he had a decent season, but it wasn't that good because we also brought in Andre Burakovsky, who like excelled with the crack when he was healthy. He gets hurt at the end of the season. 
he is not going to be back for this series. Um, like, yeah, he's they projected him like mid March, then he got hurt again. So, anyways, um, the whole Vince Dunn thing, I don't know, man. Like, he just he really stepped his game up, uh, and and he became one of the most value valuable members of the team. And I think there's gonna be guys like him, guys like Will Borgen who's really young, but is like a pretty tough, kind of a big defenseman who does a lot. Big rig, like you mentioned, he had a hell of a series against the Avalanche for some reason. I feel like he didn't get his flowers. I have no idea why, but he had a hell of a goal uh, in one of the games, but his defense was just solid. And it was really great to see him play because I just like him so much. So I do think that's the reason why I've enjoyed this team so much because there's just guys that consistently step up. And like, like, like I was mentioning about the series against Colorado, um, Bjork strand, you know, really didn't do anything. Couldn't get things going. Um, at the end of the series, we had 15 different players that scored a goal, which led the NHL, um, in, you know, in that uh, particular category, but then you see Bjork strand go off in game seven. He has two goals. Uh, three of them hit the post. He was close, like a six. I'm like, it, I mean, he was just going off and I'm like, this is the guy, um, you know, and he was feeling it. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, we do have players that can kind of take over, but we don't necessarily have superstars uh, like the Dallas Stars do. We just have a ton of role players and a ton of depth, which is kind of ironic because if you look at how everyone's already talking about this series, and I'm guessing like this will all be released tomorrow, which which means that tonight when everybody's hearing this is, you know, when the game is going to game one will be. Um, it's like the same thing that everyone said about um, Seattle versus Colorado. It's like depth versus you know, stars. And it's like, are we going to be able, uh, you know, to handle that? And, you know, projections are very highly in favor of Dallas and I understand it. So. Yeah. So my question for overall, what do you think Seattle has to do to beat the Dallas stars? Cause I'm going to be honest. We were pretty high on the stars here. I, I gave the stars five games to take the down the series. Ryan gave him six. Damn. So, <laughs> so what's it gonna take for the seattle kraken over five man come on we like just that. beat colorado in seven give us a really one game seven that's, on the road that's kind of why i gave you six <laughs> instead of five is because y'all beat colorado like that so oh but, man i'm yeah. gonna listen this is the crazy part and i feel like some unintentional oracle because before the series against colorado uh we did a podcast with these uh, guys the hockey podcast network over at teledabs it is and we were also discussing predictions. I said crack it in seven. And they were like, you're out of your mind. And now I look like a genius. So <laughs> nice. I might I might be peaking. Who knows? Um, no, I you know what? Honestly, like I'm gonna have to be uh Ted Lasso over here and just believe it. I'm gonna say crack it in seven. Like I I have to keep rolling with my boys. I can't pick against them. Um, you know, not after taking Colorado to seven games then and then winning that series. I just can't, I can't do it. Um, do I understand why people are like Dallas and five or Dallas and six? Absolutely. Especially considering y'all have two extra days of rest. Like that is, that is you because that, that, that series with Colorado was, was pretty physical. Um, and so it's just one of those things where like, we're really beat up. Uh, like I said, we're not getting Burakovsky back anytime soon. He's definitely not playing in this series. Uh, Jared McCann for game seven, and he was our top goal scorer. He had 40 goals on the season. Uh, he was taken out by the hit and kill Makar. I think it was game three, maybe four. I don't he know. He still that. hasn't come back. He still hasn't come back. Well, he, mm. listen, if I had to guess, like everyone plays doctor, right? Like when you watch it and you're on Twitter, like, oh, he has a concussion. And it looked like that kind of was the case, but he did not travel with the team to Colorado for game seven. So I would be shocked if he shows up for game one or game two. I don't think he's with the team at all. It sounds like he's probably still resting in Seattle. If I had to make some kind of a prediction, 
I would say that maybe he comes back for game three when they're back home so he can just take more time to rest. So I really don't know, man. I I, I totally get why um, why y'all are taking. I mean, obviously your team, I get that, but but five and six, I mean, it makes sense. And I kind of have to go back because I'm, I'm genuinely curious about this. I'm kind of going back here for a second. You said Ryan Suter was like your guy that's polarizing for your team. And I know why Gruby was polarizing for us. Like he had all that success um, with Colorado. Obviously the Kraken become an organization. We decided to bring him in give him a huge contract. Then you had like an abysmal year. But it was one of those things, again, where the team was so bad that I feel like a lot of the blame fell on his shoulders. But when you're making that much money, like it kind of comes, I don't know, that responsibility kind of comes with it. Why is this guy a polarizing figure for uh, for Dallas fans? And also, is it a thing where it's like, no one can call my baby ugly but me kind of a situation? Like when Minnesota starts jumping on him, you're like, whoa, 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 dude, this is what we do. Like, you don't get to do this. Yeah, that was absolutely the case. I mean, <laughs> as soon there's, as a, there's a little bit Suter, of that in there. Now we love Peter. But I, I think the main reason that we didn't like Suter throughout the regular season or that a lot of Stars fans didn't was just it, his play was not very consistent. I mean, from game to game, you could go from guys making great defensive plays, getting out of his zone easily, making easy passes for his teammates to start going the other way. And then the next game, he's passing his problem along, making weak checks, not not making the correct decisions with the puck in his own end. Um but throughout the playoffs so far, I mean, we've seen a different Ryan Suter. I mean, it, the guy obviously is hunting for a cup, and I think he's just gone into a different gear into his mind, and he is just on top of everything. I don't know if I've seen him make specifically a bad defensive play or a bad pass, and we had definitely seen that throughout the regular season. But, I mean, it got so bad for some Stars fans, they were calling for Suter to be out of the lineup completely. They wanted healthy scratch him and even put in Harley and, wow. uh, and Hanley over him. So. Yeah, it's a big polarizing figure for Stars fans, but this last series definitely brought him a little bit closer to our hearts. And I think with with Ryan Suter as well, it's a little bit unfair to him because, because and again, this is a Jamie Alexiak thing. Uh, Jamie Alexiak left a big hole. Um, he was a huge instrumental part when the Stars went to the Stanley Cup final in the bubble. He was absolutely enormous. And when he came along, he got... he three and a half million dollars, three and something around there, three to four million. And he, at this point in his career, as a 38-year-old, he's used to playing, you know, 25, 26, 27 minutes a night. And he's not that anymore. But the thing is, is that he's still being asked, even right now, to be a top four defenseman for the Dallas Stars. So, and we view him as a very good, very solid bottom pairing defenseman kind of like a mark giordano for the toronto maple exactly who i was thinking of as you when you said the age of like i didn't realize that he was as old as geo yeah and and see that's the thing that it's unfair to him in a way yes he we are asking him to fulfill this role he should be able to fulfill this role but he should not be in this role he should be not in the top four but that's just what we have right now and he's he's important and he has to be able to play that because otherwise, the, the Stars, again, that's kind of the clink in the armor that the Seattle Kraken can kind of take advantage of. Is if, if Suter has a, a rough game or someone on our defense has a rough game, then that's that's an area that I'd be concerned with. Yeah, And our other brother, James, is especially worried about it with the Seattle Kraken here. Um, the Minnesota Wild are not really the quickest team, I would say, that were in the playoffs. They were very big, very physical. Mm-hmm. So Ryan Suter didn't have a lot of trouble with that. 
But the speed that the Kraken have around the edge, that can really burn Ryan Suter. We've seen that multiple times, just guys taking the edge on him, going straight to the net. That's something to really look for. Um, and you should also be looking for Suter playing way back. He, he's not going to pinch very often in, in the <laughs> offensive zone because he doesn't have the speed to get back. So something that James mentioned in our podcast. What's um, Now I'm genuinely curious to hear what both of you have to say. Maybe your answer will be different. Who is the one Dallas star that you would say is going to piss off Seattle Kraken fans the most in this series? Oh, like if there's one guy, whether there's a couple, whether that's play or just like when I say play, I mean like they're like physically really destroying the Kraken, like uh, like uh, like Rantanen for Colorado. He had like seven goals throughout this series, and I was like, come on, man! Like there was nothing we could do to stop him, but he wasn't the guy that we ended up like hating throughout this series and it being Kale McCarr because of the hit on Jared McCann. And obviously we had the play where Jordan Eberle uh, boards Cogliano and he ends up fracturing his neck. So it's like, Oh my God. Um, but is there a specific player that you guys can think of that, whether it's style, I guess style of play is a better way of putting it, but one guy that you're like, this guy can get under like some people's skins and uh Kraken fans are going to be like irate at this person. Yeah. I would be, I would be wrong if I didn't say Jamie Ben. I mean, that's <laughs> the so guy good. I had him on my fantasy team. I was like, man, this guy's crushing. <laughs> yeah, he was fantastic this season. I mean, offensively, he really showed back up. But even when he had a bad th- three years, the past three years, he was not very good until this season. We actually called it the Renaissance, the rebirth of Jamie Ben. <laughs> um, his physicality after the whistles, just the little stuff that he does. I mean, he got suspended for one game a few seasons ago for spraying water at somebody. I mean, he just loves the little chippy Wait, like stuff. Like out of his whistles. mouth? Like did he like was taking a drink of water, like spit it out somebody? No, no, he, no, just, he just sprayed water. Somebody, just sprayed yeah. water at somebody. Like a <laughs> yeah, I know. That's exactly. That's a good. That is like exactly a good point. He loves the the stupid little place like that. And like when when uh, when the, the the other team may be like all hacked off at what he's doing and stuff like that you just watch his face and he is just beaming like the, yeah. from ear to ear like the uh, what was that Ch- that chester cat, from, like, cat. yeah the, by the way yeah from- you just described yanni gourd so yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I, i'll go a different direction Jay, uh chris is right chris is right jamie ben is going to be the one that kind of hacks everybody off but if you look from a strictly skill perspective um I can't pick one, so I'm just going to say both of them. Rope Hints and uh, Mira Haskinen. Is, mm. Haskinen is very secretly good offensively. He doesn't get a lot of the accolades that he probably deserves. But what's going to hack off a lot of Kraken fans, and I guarantee you, is it's going to be his defensive play. He is, and, and, and this is probably because he plays in Dallas. I believe that he is the best all-around defenseman in the NHL. And that's and I'm not trying to be Homer here or anything like that. When you look at the way that he plays, both offensively, how important he is on the power play, and how much time he eats up, and how good he like he never makes a mistake. Like if he makes a mistake, it's noteworthy. And like I write it down in my notes while I'm watching the game because it never happens. You never see him make a mistake. So that's and that's something that's gonna really frustrate Kraken fans. And then with Rope Hints, it's just his speed is ridiculous. Oh, his skill is insane. The, yeah. his his speed rivals Connor McDavid. And and I'm not afraid or abashed to, to say that because of 
and he, and he he made a play on former Dallas star John Klingberg in Game Seven. Where Love it, Klingberg, yeah, yeah, game six. and it just oh, was it Game Six? I said Game Seven. Sorry, he he digged the crap out of John Klingberg. Completely underestimated him. It, it was it was disgusting. So that's going to be, I think, frustrating for Kraken fans is to watch how well Miro Heiskanen plays defensively, and then just how much skill Robe Hints has and. This guy went in the second round. He didn't get picked in the first round. He got picked in the second round. Yeah. And if you go back and look at the Wild Series, too, the, the Wild's top line was shut down. It was non-existent. I mean, the big storyline was Kaprizov had one point. There's a reason for that, and his name is Miro Haskinen. I mean, that, you're going to look up at the score at the leaderboards, and you'll be like, where did XYZ player go? It's because <laughs> Miro Haskinen was all over him the entire time. That's such an interesting pick because, honestly, and, and again, like I'm, I, I don't know – anything about the stars um you know relative to what y'all know i just did not expect like hayskin to be the pick like rupe and uh like like jason robertson like i was like those are the guys that everyone talks about but yeah it sounds like there's other guys in your team that we have to keep an eye out for if i have to pick somebody uh that's really going to piss y'all off it's obviously yanni gord i mean everything you were describing about no surprise no starting, surprise. you know <laughs> starting stuff on the ice but like having a giant smile on his face like you mentioned like the cheshire cat that's literally a, a nickname that we have given to Yanni Gore because he's the oh, same. Really? Way. I, mean, I did not know that. I swear oh, yeah. I did not know that. We've given him that nickname because, you know, he's really undersized and he does not care. Um, he will happily uh, poke quite literally at somebody that's six inches taller than him and try to get them to take <laughs> a swing. And the whole time they're doing that or like putting him in the headbutt or like looking at the refs, like, is this guy joking right now? Like, what is this guy doing? He just got a smile on his face because the entire time, um, you know, and it's all about on ice stuff because, you know, when the game's over, you know, he's like shaking hands and doing the whole thing. I mean, the guy won a cup with Tampa Bay. This is how he's always been. Um, he's just that kind of player. I love him on my team, but if he was not on my team, he would be incredibly, uh, incredibly frustrating. And also Brandon Tanev, uh, turbo is just a guy that, um, again, if I had to play against him, he would drive me insane because he just has a motor that is nonstop. I mean, the guy is always going 110% which is crazy because last year I think it was his ACL that he got blown out. Mm. And anyways, he does not skate like it. Like you would never be able to tell. And again, undersized, but not afraid of anybody. And he's very quick to, uh, to get in someone's face and try to, and try to start some stuff. And he's just a guy. And it was funny because I was talking about this with the, with the boys that covered the abs. And um, we were talking about players that, that, you know, they're kind of looking out for in the series. And I think it was by game three. They're like, I saw them like, tweeting about how much they hated like Brandon Tanev already <laughs> because of like how much he was like trying to get under the skin of Avs players and how he's always somewhere, um, you know, how he's always all over the ice. And so I'm like, yeah, he's just one of those guys, man. I got a polarizing guy, but glad to have him on my team, um, but would definitely irk some, irk some others. So yeah, Dallas Stars fans will probably not like those guys too much. A player like a like a Jordan Eberle, like what happened to Cogliano in, in, uh, in the last series, Honestly, like freak accident. I mean, like the guy's head's down. He's against the board. He's looking at the puck. Everybody's yeah. trying to play the puck. He's never been a dirty player or anything like that. Um, so th that's not, you know, the, something might happen along the series where like, you know, Stars fans might boo a player. But like in terms of actually being like, oh, screw this guy. Yeah, those are two of my top picks. Yeah. And that's what I think most of the league has seen, too. I mean, just from listening to other podcasts, reading other stuff, no one really thinks that Jordan Everly was trying to do anything yeah, no, yeah. not at all. Even like the McCarr thing was weird, but that that whole play, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but that whole play was weird because like the puck was so clearly nowhere near 
Jared McCann, and he had completely led up. You could tell by his body length, he stood completely up. Like, he's not skating fast. He's trying to turn around and then just gets laid out into the boards. But, you know, one guy broke his neck and the other guy didn't. So there's also right. that. Right? So it's like, what, what well, are you going to do? And that's where the NHL, you know, officiating and the, the NHL, like the player safety office, they're just not consistent. Because if they are going off injuries and they are reviewing stuff, Everly should have been given a game. Like he should have been removed from game seven, yeah. but, and that's, you know, as a Kraken fan, I'm just like, come on, man. Like I know it was a freak accident, but there's no way he should have skated in game seven. Not that he had an impact really on that game, but it was still one of those things where I'm just like, these things happen. Yeah. yeah. That's we, exactly, I think we've talked enough about player safety. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll just briefly mention it is that the whole Pavelski hit, I, 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 I could see how people could say, no, it wasn't a, a head hit. Regardless of whether it was a hit to the head, it was still late. He's Matt Dumba still left his feet, and we were really still frustrated about it and all of that. But well, we, we could talk about that for like hours here. I'm not gonna lie, that. I only saw like one replay of it, so I was gonna ask y'all about that really quickly because I know that Pavelski's back for the series, though, right? I saw that he was expected to skate in game one officially you know? in game one, according okay, to uh, a couple, couple different people. Okay. Yeah, I was really hoping that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I was hoping the same thing for McCann. Yeah, I think you're gonna get at least two games without McCann, so there you go. And by the way, McCann didn't do much in the Colorado series either, like we were trying to start to get him going. And we're creating some plays, especially like off the face off to where we can get him, you know, start putting some shots on net. And then that's when he got injured. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. It helps when you have a, a 40 goal scorer who's able to hit the ice for you. But uh, I don't know, man, the Kraken just have a, a lot of guys like Ty Cartier. Who we just called up from AHL, who was like the player of the year. Rookie sensation. Yeah, the rookie <laughs> yeah. sensation comes in and like immediately gets a goal. I'm like, what is going on? So. It really is like a next man up mentality. So the Kraken just have to keep playing like that, I guess. I'm really curious about one player in particular because I listen to uh, 32 Thoughts, the podcast a lot. And Jeff Merrick sings the praises of Daniel Sprong. Yes. And and so I wanted to ask you about Daniel Sprong because when when you look at the ends of series, you look at those guys that are not necessarily the top end guys who just get that one goal that everybody remembers. Like for us, for, for Dallas fans, it's actually against the avalanche. It's Yoel Kiviranta gets a hat trick out of nowhere in the bubble playoffs. And like, now he's like in, in infamy with the Colorado avalanche. And then he will live on through the rest of everybody's lives in Dallas stars fandom. So can can you explain why Jeff Merrick like loves Daniel Sprong? Because I could see maybe Daniel Sprong being somebody similar like that, where he just has a big goal at the right time. He's not necessarily the best player, but he can be that impact player at the right time. Oh man, a couple of things. One, his name is just awesome. Like calling him <laughs> Spronger, or I, I think it was Everett Fitzhugh who does the radio. Uh, calls for the Kraken games. His tagline was ding dong, Daniel Sprong. Like whenever he scores a goal, that's his tagline, which I'm just a huge fan of. Um, no. So he's a guy that I fell in love with last year because the Kraken, the Kraken get him. And I remember it was a game that we had against Anaheim and he gets the puck uh, deep in our own zone. And he goes end to end and just outskates everyone on the ice. And I don't think he even scored on that play, but I was like, holy crap, man, this guy's like hustle and his motor is just next level. And with him, it's just not something that you can teach. It's like you either have this gear in you or you don't. 
and he just has this extra gear in him. It's very similar to like a like a Brandon Tanev, where like they just have this extra kind of notch that they can kind of dial into whenever they want. And it, he kind of seems like he's able to do it at times in games where like other people on the ice like aren't able to do that. Maybe they're a little tired, and they need whatever, like need to get off the ice for a shift change. And uh, and Spronger is just able to do that. He has been really clutch for the Kraken. Like he is one of those guys that he will get a goal or two out of nowhere. And you see him all over the ice. I'm like, wait, no one's even talking about this guy. You know, how is, you know, how is Daniel freaking Sprong going off on our team right now? Hmm. Um, so he does have that ability. I love him. Um, he's also a guy that the Kraken fan base absolutely loves too. I think he's on a one-year two-way deal. Like for some on reason, a two-way deal? I, I, I'm, I'm per, I'm, I might be wrong on that. Now, I want to say again, it's also been a really long day, but um, I would be shocked if he was on two. I got to double that check was, that. that. Blew my mind. Daniel Sprong contract. No, so I know that it is a that it is a one year deal. Um, let's see, I guarantee I'm no salary. One year, seven hundred fifty k. Yeah, I can't see any other information on it. But anyways, um, but he is on a one year deal, and he's played so well for the crack, and that he's a guy that 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 you mentioned the podcast that you listen to, but the the fan base has fallen in love for all those same reasons. And every time he does something like that, and he's so freaking cheap, we're just like, dude, give this guy like a multi-year deal already. Like, he's not going to cost you a ton of money. Like, he's just like, he is the quintessential, like, glue guy of the team. Like, he is a guy that you love to have on your roster because you know he's going to come in and, you know, third, fourth line, whatever. But he's going to produce. He's going to skate really, really hard, and he's going to make plays. The one area where it is an issue with him is his defensive. Like, he's a defensive liability. And... Dave Haxtell has been open about um, Daniel Sprong's uh, defensive liability. And uh, in fact, I think it was game four in Seattle where Colorado was about to go on a breakaway, but Spronger was like actually in a good position to defend it. And then just like out of nowhere, like completely blew a tire, like just fell down on the ice. No one was around him. And Colorado just skates right past him and scores a goal. And we're all just looking at each other like, this is kind of, you know, these are things that might happen with him when he's on the ice, but it's like, a, I don't know. It's like a high risk, high reward type of player. So we were all joking around that uh, Dave Haxel was going to healthy scratch him for the next game because he's so over um, like his <laughs> inability to play really good defense. But to our surprise, he didn't. And he played pretty well. You know, nothing he, he really did against Colorado stood out. But yeah, he's a he's just an awesome glue guy, somebody that you just love to have on your team. So, yeah, that's a good call on that one. It sounds like that's kind of like the identity of the Kraken as a whole. I mean, you're like, who the heck is that guy? And then he's playing outstanding, but they have those up and down the lineup. I mean, like you mentioned, there's not one superstar, but all these guys are very solid hockey players and they are coming together to play a a great team game is really what it was. And especially in the playoffs, they weren't the best defensive team all season, but they go and shut down nathan mckinnon and the colorado avalanche and a two to one game they close it down that closed down in the third period with a one goal lead i mean that was unbelievable it was fantastic and it just felt like that was a full team effort everyone coming together and then of course some great play by by groovy and i think this really kind of gets down to 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 the end of it here and i I think we should close it up here because i mean i don't know about you chris i'm getting tired no, I'm but, with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's getting it's getting like we're all in the central time zone. So it's like eleven o'clock right now. Uh, at the time we're recording this. But I think probably the biggest question that I've seen, and I think it's probably true, is how are the stars gonna handle the depth of the Seattle cracking? Because like like we mentioned several times already, and like Chris was just mentioning and made me think about it, is like the the depth of the Seattle Kraken is 
is very good. They can roll four lines, and that's something that uh, Dallas is very good at doing as well. Um, we did not see that against the Minnesota Wild. They had pretty much one, maybe two lines that could score goals, and then they had Ryan Reeves, which Ryan Reeves is just a vegetable and does not do anything other than just randomly hit people. So mm-hmm. he brings nothing to his team. So that's not the case with the Seattle Kraken, and in my own opinion. So I think it's going to be a, just a test of depth. Is Dallas going to be able to handle the depth of the Kraken? And then you could flip it the other way and say, is Seattle going to be able to handle the depth of the Stars? And I think that might be the defining uh, kind of moment for this whole series and which way it might go. I could not agree with that anymore. I mean, it, it's so it's weird. It's almost like a carbon copy of like all the reports I was reading for Seattle versus Colorado. Um, and that's how I felt. And, you know, for whatever reason, like you mentioned how, you know, they have a bunch of guys that kind of came together. I think like the, the TNT broadcast was like, you know, you have these guys that were like considered throwaways by other teams. They put together their team for one season, you know, they get Bjork strand and Burakovsky in the off season and things start to click. And then, you know, Oh, you do things like, Oh, I don't know. Uh, Ellie uh, Tolvanen and that we call Golvenin is just, you know, Nashville decides to just put him on waivers. The guy was a first round pick like three years ago. And now we bring him into Seattle and the guy's putting up crazy numbers and it's like, okay, like we're able to start figuring some things out. So yeah, we were able to hold the bottom lines for Colorado to almost non-existent. I mean, that was really the biggest thing. I mean, if McKinnon, Ranton, and McCarr were not on the ice, they were screwed. Like the one game that McCarr was out, like Colorado looked like they, I mean, like we won that game. They looked like a completely different team. There was nothing that they could do. And you mentioned, I think it was Rupe, like his his speed. That's going to be the biggest thing that I keep an eye out for because as somebody that just watched seven games of uh, Nathan McKinnon, um, it was both <laughs> thrilling and also traumatizing at the same time because, I mean, God, I mean, the guy is just unstoppable. And I do think that the Kraken, you know, skate with a good amount of speed. But when you got a guy like that and you were comparing his uh, – his uh, his speed to almost like a like a McDavid. That's scary stuff for us because I watched I watched Nathan McKinnon one goal that he had. I think it was in Game Three where he literally danced around our entire fourth line for like thirty seconds and kept the puck to himself and then put the shot on net, gets a goal and just skates away. I'm like, the ability for some players to do stuff like that um, is is kind of scary because we don't have a guy like that on, on our team. So it's like, how are we going to schematically game plan? to stop guys like that. But when that, you know, but when you start focusing on that, like there's other, you know, other players that you mentioned that have the ability to step it up. And that's where I think the difference is going to be that and special teams. So we'll see how that goes. Well, man, uh, Joey, I appreciate this, man. This was a lot of fun. Thank, thanks for, for reaching out and uh, kind of encouraging us to do this. I, I, I had a blast and uh, I, I can't speak for Chris because he thinks I'm an idiot and always says my takes are wrong 100%. But, you know, it is what it is. He just picked, he just picked the, the stars in five. I think that's highly disrespectful. So we'll see. <laughs> I'll accept that. That is extremely disrespectful. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, love it. I, I guess we'll go ahead and say thank you to our sponsors as well. Uh, Raycon. Uh, and also uh, DraftKings Sportsbook as well for letting us do all this sort of stuff. So, uh, Joey, thanks again for uh, for doing this with us and uh, for encouraging us again. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, guys, for doing this. I know it was last minute. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man.